Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have Ann Butera back guest hosting again for episode number four. For those that have missed the previous three episodes that Ann guest hosted, she is the founder and president of the Whole Person Project. She's also, uh, she's written multiple books. The most recent book though is called Say What? Communicate with Tact and Impact, What to Say to Get Results at Any Point in an Audit. And Ann's guest today is her friend and mine, Julie Thompson, who's the founder of the Auditing Alliance. The Auditing Alliance is a membership organization for environmental health and safety, EHS, auditors, or those in related fields, including management. I've attended multiple Auditing Alliance webinars. It's a great resource, especially EHS, ESG kind of play along with each other. And so as ESG becomes more and more prevalent, um, it's a really good resource to check out. So check out Google, the Auditing Alliance, and be sure to sign up. Here we go. So welcome to the Audit Podcast. And as you probably can tell, I am not Trent Russell. I'm Anne Amputera, president of the Whole Person Project. And pleased to tell you that I'm the author of Say What? Communicate with uh, uh, Tact and Impact. And with me today is Julie Thompson. And Julie is with the Environmental uh, Health and Safety uh, Auditors. And we are going to talk about how to deliver bad news. That's the topic for today, uh, what we need to do. But one thing that I, I'd like to say just to start this off is that if you were to look at Julie's designations, and she's a CPA, she has her CGMA and she has her CPEA, which is a certified professional environmental auditor. The CPA part and even the CGMA might seem kind of traditional, uh, but I would say that uh, Julie's background, I think, is anything from uh, anything but traditional. Uh, she has a certificate in diversity, equity, and inclusion from USF uh, Mooma College of, of Business. And just to give you an idea, I think you started off, Julie, as a corporate accountant, right? You, you were yes. started out there with your, that did sound traditional in the beginning. <laughs> and passing the CPA exam and working with then Pete Marwick, I think that part was a little traditional. But after that, when you started working for Ryder, um, truck rental and internal audit, 
I think that's when things started to get a little uh, non-traditional, right? That was your beginning uh, exposure to environmental auditing. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Now, I still believe that the very beginning of my career was a tiny bit non-traditional from the perspective that when I graduated, the expectation was pretty much that you went in, went to work for an accounting firm, hopefully a large accounting firm, rather than going the corporate route first. So I kind of just switched those two at the beginning. But the big change, as you said, was when I went to work for Ryder Truck Rental and made that switch into the environmental area. And that really got you going, I think. I mean, kind of culminated, and maybe culminated is too much of an end zone word, but in my mind, it culminated with you, you know, starting and and being the founder of the Auditing uh, Alliance. Yes, there was a little bit of a, more than a little bit, a number of years, uh, more than a decade, actually, gap between my tenure at Ryder and beginning with the Auditing Alliance. But what I did in between there when I left Ryder Truck Rental was I started an environmental health and safety consultancy, Environmental Resources Network. That is still in operation. Uh, I do less work there, though, and more with the Auditing Alliance at this point. But my career changed dramatically, literally overnight with the first audit that we did of the Environmental Services Department at Ryder. And, you know, the, the Auditing Alliance, for those folks that are listening and they might not know what the Auditing Alliance is about, talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, what makes it special? Uh, you know, your reasons for, for starting it? Thank you for asking, Anne. Uh, the Auditing Alliance is a project that is near and dear to my heart coming from that environmental health and safety auditing background that I now have. There used to be a professional organization. It actually started out being called the Environmental Auditing Roundtable, which ultimately evolved into the Auditing Roundtable. But a few years ago, the IIA absorbed that particular group. And since that time, uh, I felt like it wasn't quite the same family atmosphere and I decided that it was time to try to, for lack of a better word, reincarnate the mm-hmm. old round table, uh, bring it back up to kind of things that are going on now. So I started it. I'd been planning actually for a couple of years. But when COVID hit, I obviously had to go virtual and yeah. the auditing roundtable did nothing that was was virtual. So I made that as a, a big jump. It is a membership organization primarily for environmental health and safety professionals. That includes auditors, but it also includes people that are interested in auditing in general. Many of the topics we talk about uh, or have presentations about, they apply no matter what kind of auditing, whether you're internal, external, doing a financial audit or something else. And then it also includes what I call related disciplines. So ESG, sustainability, Uh, greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, there's any number of things that are kind of related. And I just couldn't come up with a term that uh, was as encompassing as I would like for all of that. Yeah. Well, I think you get there with the idea of alliance. And and the reason I wanted you to talk about the Auditing Alliance and, and its purpose is because our theme today is delivering bad news. And I've got to believe, I've got to believe that I know auditors auditing everything have to deliver bad news. But I have to believe that the bad news in environmental auditing has got to be bad. Uh, I mean, that's at least that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. In your experience, what types of bad news have you or your colleagues and peers had to deliver 
that might have been a little a little tricky or trickier than what we might think is ordinary bad news. Certainly. So when I think about delivering any sort of news, good or bad, I kind of break it down into a couple of buckets, one being related more to the audit. So delivering news related to findings that we have or even potential findings, and that could be delivered to the auditee themselves, or it could be delivered to management. But then the other bucket is not necessarily related to the audit, but it might be a personnel related issue that could be bad Mm -hmm. news that you need to deliver. So when you think back about the beginning of COVID, I mean, many companies just didn't have the same work. So having to deliver the news that your organization was downsizing or you have a a problem with a a particular employee who's not uh, being as productive or effective or efficient as you need, that would kind of go into that bucket. Going back to the bad news, though, related to, to audits, I would say that in general, I totally agree with you about the bad news in environment, health, and safety audits can often be far worse than in a financial or an operational audit. And the reason is you often find things that uh, will require literally big fixes. They can be multi-million dollar fixes, Mm -hmm. things that may take years to put systems into place or to buy infrastructure that needs to to go into place. The other side of it is that unless you've got fraud going on on the financial side and that somehow or other it's big enough and and made public, a lot of that, you know, it stays within the confines. You know, it's it's privileged almost information. Whereas in the environmental side in particular, you may find something, you have to go report that to a regulatory agency. And the reporting responsibility for some particular laws require anyone that knows. So you as an auditor, you may need to kind of run that up the ladder first to see, is your client going to go ahead and report it? And if so, you don't have to worry about that. But if your client doesn't think they're going to report it or you can't get confirmation, you may have to take steps you wouldn't have to. And then having to do that is additional bad news. So now you found something that was bad news and now you've got to tell them, it, it has to be reported and it, that will become typically public information. Yeah. See, this is why I wanted you to come on this podcast <laughs> to talk about Thank delivering you. bad news. You know, listening to you reminded me, it took me back a couple of decades. I hate to admit that when I was the chief volunteer officer for the Girl Scouts of Nassau County, and we found out that our council, our building you know, where we had all like our home office, where we had all of our meetings, was on what at the time was thought to be a super fun site. So when you were talking about, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like the news is staggering. You know, you're sitting there and you just feel this, I don't know, pit of your stomach ache. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking about, you're right. And I hadn't even thought about the necessity in disclosing, which takes the bad news to you know, to, to another level. So uh, I think, I think you made it a great point that the bad news is, is bad. Hey everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board, the leading cloud-based platform, transforming how enterprises manage risk audit boards, integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions, streamlines, internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. 
automate processes and improve execution with audit board's purpose-built solution which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners experience the latest in audit risk and compliance technology visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see audit board's award-winning platform in action today so now let's kind of shift to what are some things that people can do if they have to deliver bad news uh, that's a really good question. And I have, when I have to deliver bad news, I go through a series of steps. Uh, well, and again, it doesn't matter whether this is with a client or with it's a, whether it's an individual person. I want to make sure, first of all, do I really know what the problem is? And if you don't know what the problem is, you might deliver bad news and not that the bad news isn't actually there, but you might not be delivering the right bad news. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about environment, health and safety, if you aren't working through and figuring out things like root cause or getting close to root cause, you might tell them one thing and you might not have gone deep enough to let them know what the, the true extent of the problem is. So you absolutely have to make sure that you are clear on what either the information is that's the bad news or what the actual problem is. You also need to pause and make sure that you are objective and balanced. You know, uh, auditors have that reputation of, you know, they get blamed for things and they're nothing, they have nothing but bad things to say. And I think sometimes, and again, I, I see this uh, as an opportunity, maybe more on the EHS side, when you do find something that could be big, that it is an opportunity to, to do the gotcha thing. Mm. And you definitely have to make sure that that's not, not where you are in the process. And that leads into making sure you've got complete and accurate information. So it, whether it's an EHS problem or it's a personnel problem, you want to make sure you've looked at all the documentation. You may have to go back farther than you originally thought in the audit or in the process and, and look at whatever you can get your hands on. You don't want to forget, uh, another step that I go through is I don't ever want to forget that I need to know what is my objective in delivering this news? So what is my desired outcome? Mm. Is it to change behavior? Is it to downsize the company? Is it to offer an opportunity for improvement for an employee or, or an auditee? But making sure you know that as you're delivering the news is also very, very important. You want to make sure that you've looked at who is it you're delivering that news to? Is it a single person? And that may even, the single person could be, obviously, if it's a one-on-one -on -one issue with a, a person, but even with audits, you may find something that is big enough that at least the initial delivery, it needs to be one-on-one -on -one with a specific person before gathering a group of people in a room saying, oh, look, here's what we found. So you want to make sure you figured that out. And it might be that you get to deliver this or have to deliver this message more than, than once. I think one of the most important steps in my mind is making sure that all the communication that leads up to the, the if there is a final delivery of the, the bad news, uh, you've had good communications and timely communications in the past. So you don't want to be approaching an employee, letting them know, geez, your, your work performance is substandard and we're gonna, going to let you go effective immediately. And this is the first they've ever heard that they had yeah. a problem in the work. But the same thing is true on an audit. So in EHS audits, one thing that I think, uh, at least from the days when I was doing financial audits, it's a little bit different. The EHS audits are typically on a tighter time frame. You typically are there one to two weeks on site. Two weeks is often considered a luxury. And you meet at the end of every single day, not only with the team, but with representatives of the, the client, the auditee, 
and go over your potential findings or your actual findings. So there are no, no surprises and making sure you don't skip days and you don't, you know, let yeah. that all build up. And then it's, okay, we're in the, the closing meeting and they're suddenly finding things out that would lead to nothing but disaster. Yeah. And of course you, you need know, to plan what you say. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I, what I, what I think is, is interesting about what you're, you're mentioning, you mentioned within the context of um, uh, EHS, the idea of talking daily, of, of reporting out daily, which really is a hallmark of agile auditing. The idea yes. that on a, you know that that forcing that collaboration, forcing that communication, and maybe forcing is too aggressive a term, but I do think that balancing, you know, some of the th- the points that you made were analytical. I thought analytical in nature, you know, meaning. Be clear on what the bad news is. You know, have accurate data. Well, you could take hours to validate your data. And in taking those hours, you just blew through a day and you didn't communicate. So that, you see where I'm going with this? You have to kind of balance this. I need to be accurate, uh, but I also need to get some information out there. So how do you feel about saying to people, this is what I know now or more to come? you know, what's your, what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, No, I think you have hit the the nail on the head with that. So in EHS audits, we present it as a potential finding rather than a finding as we go along. And so we do let them know right away, whatever information that we do have. Now, hopefully we haven't just found something and just barely skimmed the top, but I have been in audits where an, an EHS item was large enough and could be uh, potentially financially devastating enough mm. or create such a significant health or safety risk that we went on and told them right away. I mean, we didn't yeah. even wait for the end of the day. You know, it was, you've got to know that this is happening right here, right now. Yes, we acknowledge that we've got more work to do. And when those kinds of things happen, we also typically need to bring in more expertise, even from the client yeah. when it's something that that's big, that is that big. But no, you're right. You don't want to waste a day and, you know, then first of all, you might not have even had a finding and yeah. all that time is there. And I think that that's a thing that you face, uh, whether it's EHS or financial, it's how far, how deep in the weeds do you go? Well, and also, and also how strategic do you get? Because yes. I think that, that w- at least my experience has been whenever people, myself included, are the recipients of bad news, I think the first reaction is denial. You have to be wrong. This really can't be happening. Are you sure? Uh, is there any way you could be mistaken? I mean, these are, I think these are the thoughts. Uh, the next thing, you know, the next you kind of shift into how do we get out of it? Can we avoid it? Can we evade it? <laughs> yes. Um, and some of those answers, uh, depending on who you're talking to, what level, and I'm thinking now more of the either. EHS issues or some of these operational or financial issues that are workflow related. I'm not necessarily thinking about, you know, Muffy's performance is where it needs to, to be, that kind right. of bad news. But I'm thinking more of this organizational bad news where you might not know what the root cause is. You might not know what the ramifications completely are, except that they're, you know, that they're not good, but you've got people that want that information because they want to be able to slip out from, you know, from under. I think that makes it a little bit more challenging, you know? I agree. And I think 
in the EHS world, one thing that there may be an advantage over the financial and operational world is there's a lot more time spent with uh, what we call boots on the ground. You are actually in the manufacturing facility or out at the oil refinery, often with your camera. And it is much, uh, much more commonplace now than it was, say, five years ago. But it's not like this is happening absolutely everywhere. And some of that is related to safety issues. But with that camera, you've gotten permission to actually take pictures. So when you have those kinds of things, and maybe you are early on and you you are haven't had the time to delve into it, but you can go back in and as you're letting them know about something that does not look right, you it's not just you're telling them, you can actually show them. And I have been in more than one meeting where when you know we hoped we wouldn't even have to use the pictures, (laughs) but when we explained to the client what was going on. The response came back, well, that would never happen here. We, we just don't operate like that. Yeah. And then, of course, the team lead had to say, I'm glad to hear you say that. However, we can show you what we saw. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the looks on people's faces then. And you, you yeah. don't have that same opportunity in financial uh, auditing. You, would, you might have documentation, but it's not quite the same thing as yeah. a, a picture of somebody doing something that's unsafe or something leaking that shouldn't be leaking. Yeah. You know, which, which reminds me just again, you know, listening to your point about showing them the, the pictures, being so well prepared that you've got your, your evidence there, but at the same time, not piling on, like not exaggerating, just being as factual as possible. And I guess involving the fewest number of people that need to know, uh, as opposed to, you know, screaming this from the rafters or from the rooftops, you know. Uh, and, and letting everyone know what's, know what's going on. I don't know if that's really true in EHS, but I'm just thinking delivering bad news in general. We try to keep it as, as uh, focused as possible, and we try to keep the messages limited uh, as possible to those who really need to know. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with you totally. And it is absolutely true in EHS, and the importance of it may even be a little bit higher because you often have legal liabilities that would exceed what you typically see in a a financial audit. Mm. So again, you may have that self-reporting component. Uh, Often EHS audits are even done under attorney-client privilege so that your your reporting mechanism is you would actually potentially show all your findings to the legal counsel of the client first. And then from there, they kind of decide who who needs to know. And anyone who's not in doesn't meet that need requirement, they may not know uh, ever even potentially. Yeah, which really, I think, underscores the importance of what you said earlier about really being clear on what the bad news is and really being very accurate. I mean, I'm just thinking about the the severity of process. I mean, you know, when you mention um, attorney client privilege, you know, not not that I'm implying that if you're not in EHS, you can afford to be inaccurate. Because no, <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> no, not, I'm not saying that. But but I'm thinking that the pass along value of your message uh, might be more uh, I don't know, more regimented. You know, I'm thinking about someone mentioning some operational issue in a, an ordinary risk-based process audit. And the conversation might be kind of casual. I don't imagine these issues going through attorney-client privilege. 
But it's somehow, and maybe I'm mistaken, but when I think about things going through attorney-client privilege, I think that each word is scrutinized. I mean, do we need each of those words? And is that the word that we need? Is there another word that we can use that would better communicate our message? Uh, yes, is the answer to that. And there's yeah. two pieces of that to look at. One is even your work papers, if you're truly working under attorney-client privilege, I mean, every individual page has to be marked with some specific language. And you would typically even have a stamp to yeah. put on there because it's not like it's just, you know, attorney-client privilege. There's a lot more to it than that. So you have to be careful in any of your work papers and notes to start with. Mm. But then when you get to that point of, uh, you know, communicating it verbally or in a written report, even more importantly, if you do environmental auditing training and you have a component on reporting, it is not uncommon to hear something similar to whatever you're putting in that report. You think about whether you want your husband, your child, yeah. your mother to read that on the front of your local newspaper and a national, if not international newspaper. And if you don't think that the wording is right, then it shouldn't be in that report that way. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that you're not communicating what's really going on, but you do need to be quite sensitive to how you are phrasing things. You do need to be as precise as you can. Yeah. I mean, when we're all trained to do any sort of audit report, there's a, you know, we typically are trained, you know, you don't want to use fuzzy words. Yeah. How many is many? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those, yes. and that absolutely yes. is even more important. I think when you get over to the, the environmental health and safety EHS types of audits. You, the, the other thought that you just gave me, listening to you about, you know, thinking about the reporting it. So I'm thinking about the classic, you know, we need to report the condition. But I've often noticed that when you know the cause, that really becomes more of the focus of attention because that's typically how we're going to prevent this in the future. And it might even give us some insight into what the corrective action needs to be. So I'm now wondering whether if one is delivering bad news, at a minimum, one needs to come not only with the condition, what you found, but also with some thoughts on what the potential cause might be. What do you think about that? I see that both ways. It really depends on the, the client that I've had. And I would uh, be presumptuous enough to say that most of my colleagues would say the same thing. So some organizations absolutely want whatever you can find, however deep you can delve mm -hmm. in order to find what that cause is. And it is exactly for that because you cannot develop recommendations, you being the auditor or you being the organization until somebody gets down to that cause. And also it helps you put the perspective on the gravity, potentially the cost yeah. Uh, the the length of time it may take to to fix those things. So yeah. I, I agree yeah. with you. It's, yes. it's, you know, when I think about root cause analysis, I mean, that could be a little project unto itself, just trying to ferret out who did what, when, or who didn't do what, when. Uh, and that could take you far afield, which takes me back to the accuracy piece and really being able, I guess, when you're delivering this bad news, to be nice but firm in what you factually know and what still needs to happen to, to really clarify things. Yes, uh, you're right about that. 
And in meetings that I've had, when I've had bad news to deliver, if we have not been able to go very far or as far as we believe we need to go yet on the root cause, we communicate the bad news. And we also communicate, here's what we have done so far to get to okay. the root cause. Yeah. And that also may be followed by a discussion of that's as far as we can go, because to go any farther as part of this audit, we simply don't have the time. Yeah. And that also yeah. has to be put in, in a context of risk, too, because you may have found something big enough that you have to look at the other items you were planning on visiting and say, you know, some of these probably don't have the same risk as this big thing we did find this bad news. And yeah. we need to divert resources and we might actually need to do a deeper root cause analysis. So you mentioned yeah. agile auditing before. Uh, my belief is that EHS auditing has been doing agile auditing as long as they've been auditing, yeah. which would be in the 70s. Uh, because the, again, these short time frames, having to include you know, risk and reevaluating it literally on the fly and making adjustments while you're out there on a very constrained uh, timeline. The, the other thought that's going through my mind is, and, and maybe I'm off base, but I think that management would be in a better position business management would be in a better position to do the root cause analysis. They'd be more familiar with their processes, more familiar with their, you know, with their people. Uh, you met when I, when I was thinking about, you're right, you're in there, you're doing an audit, your time is allocated or should be, you know, should be allocated. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's really an interesting situation, uh, delivering the bad news and keeping it on the bad news, not on the messenger, not personalizing it, keeping it very, you know, very factual, because I've got to believe that some people listening to this bad news will be wanting to blame somebody. You know, they'll, they'll be wanting to vent. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they, I don't know, could lose it for lack of a better, a better word. Yeah. You know, you, that's also a very good um, observation there. And you need to be prepared, no matter whether you're doing an EHS audit or a financial audit, people's emotions, can come out. I mean, it, it can be taken personally, no matter how hard you try to make sure that you don't deliver the news in a personal way. Yeah. People have worked for a company, they've done their job for years and years, they may have been, you know, working long hours trying to do the right thing, whatever went amiss. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it could be something that they they take personally, even though they shouldn't. So you do need to be prepared to deal with the the emotions. But the other thing that I'm sure any auditor has dealt with is you also need to be prepared to deal with negotiations. Yes. So yeah. the, you know, the concept of, well, and, and particularly I see this probably more in EHS audits. You know, if you look at, we had five findings and can't we get rid of this one? Cause it's really not that big. It's really not that important when you look at the other four or what can I do to fix it now? And you don't even have to put it in the report. Yeah. You know, so those yeah. kinds of things. And then you've got the financial world where you would have the kind of the, the equivalence of that. But I probably see it in action more yeah. on the EHS side. So as you're delivering bad news, be prepared to, to deal with that. And I actually had a client where I was training the next auditor to come in. And um, how shall I put this? So they uh, the the employee was using something for an unintended use. So there was a, 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 a tool they were supposed to be using safely, and it's, it was designed for safety. And basically, they created their own, which was completely unsafe. 
and we we took a picture and uh, let the location manager know. And I got a call probably within 15 minutes of that being transmitted. And the man was saying, you can't be thinking about sending this to upper management. And I said, the good news for me is I'm only training the new auditor. I don't have that decision making power. Uh, but that one, that would have been one that from my, where I sat, it was a big enough issue. It would have had to have gone on up yeah. the ladder. But I thought that was the perfect example of, you know, I, it was so important that they didn't want it communicated upward. And that's something that I think we all deal with at some point or other in our careers. Well, Julie, I cannot believe we are out of time. Um, if you would like more of Julie's advice, you can reach her directly at julie at auditingalliance.org. Uh, if you are also fascinated by the topic of delivering bad news and handling objections and even negotiation, because there's, there's three chapters in my book, Say What, uh, just on those topics, uh, just to give you a little bit more advice. But Julie, this has been, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the thought I'd like to leave everyone with as we close out this, uh, this session is bad news doesn't get any better with time. So speak up, you know, when you spot it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.